podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again. Happy Monday, as happy as it can be after that weekend with Chelsea losing at home to Nottingham Forest. This is the return of added time. If you've been a long-term subscriber of my channel, it is my old sort of weekly Q&A series that I'm bringing back to the channel. So it's a really good show. I enjoy doing it because we get to speak about some topics in, in more depth that maybe I don't cover in my match review or my news shows when we're talking about other things around Chelsea. So if you do want to ask questions for upcoming shows, I'm going to be uploading them on a Monday. That's the regular time when I upload them after the weekend. Make sure to stay tuned on the YouTube community page on my channel. That's where I do ask for questions, but also on Twitter at Son of Chelsea. So that's where to go and follow. If you are new around here, please hit that like button. Really does help the show out. Also hit that subscribe button and turn on those notifications so you don't miss any of the uploads on Son of Chelsea. But let's get to your questions. Firstly here from Carefree Jam. Uh, great guy, Jam. Uh, hopefully we'll have him on the show at some point because I've wanted to have him as a guest uh, for, for a long time. But he is asking a big topic right now. What is Poch cooking with Chilwell left wing? Obviously, such a big talking point in the opening weeks of this season, and especially after a frustrating result. Many people, when I refer to this in my match review on Saturday, in terms of playing Chilwell basically as a left wing, um, I thought it was quite interesting that Thiago Silva even responded to a fan talking about a back three, basically confirming it's a back four. So Chilwell playing at left wing and, and many people feeling that it's not the best. You can find it in my last show. I'm not the biggest fan of it, purely because I think Chirwell is a lot more effective as a fullback. The runs he makes, I, I think the fences find it hard to cover him. Some of the analysis post-game, I can understand why maybe Poch is doing it without Christopher Nkunku when you, when you think about... You know, we've just signed Cole Palmer, so he's very raw, very fresh in terms of Chelsea. Also, Nani Madawake has been injured. We've been playing, of course, Raheem Sterling on the right, and it's been work working really well. I mean, he's been creating a lot of chances and scoring goals for Chelsea so far this season. And uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, who everyone thought was going to be kind of a starter, I mean, I think there is reason why he's not playing as consistently as some expected him to. And I think that's because he is also a young raw forward who maybe doesn't have the decision making yet to give Pochettino the faith to put in him over a longer period of time. So I guess out of the options you have, I, then maybe you go Ben Chirwell. I'm a little bit surprised Ian Matson hasn't played there. And then you have Chirwell behind him. I think that would have been an interesting sort of um, combo down that left. But I don't think this is a long-term answer. I really don't. I, I don't think this is something you're going to see consistently, especially after a poor result. But I do think as more options become available, as players get fitter, some of those returning from injury, and maybe a Cole Palmer could play there. Maybe Manawake could play there. I think more likely Mikhailo Mudrik could take that place in the long term. So I'm not overly concerned by it, but I do think it looks a little bit makeshift and it isn't kind of looking as fluid as, as probably he would have wanted. And I think a lot of that goes back to that Christopher Nkunku injury, which really scuppered a lot of his plans for Chelsea's attack this season. Hubax asks, why is Poch being stubborn with this new approach? Is there any hope from it? I think as well, there is some concern that, you know, we were quite excited by what we saw in pre-season, right? A, a quite dynamic, quite direct, uh, one-two touch football. 
you keep on coming back to not having Nkunku, who was clearly a, a massive part of, of Chelsea's attack through through that way. But also, you know, Carney Chukameka, who played a lot in preseason, scored against West Ham, has also got injured. So losing those players. But I think it is a little bit frustrating when you do see the starting lineup against Nottingham Forest. And, you know, it doesn't have as many attackers as I would have liked. You know, that, it, you know, it has naturally three centre-backs. Even if it is a back four, Levi Colwell is not a left-back. You know, he doesn't make runs that a left-back does because that's not his, his natural position. He's a left-sided centre-back, a very good left-sided centre-back. But, I, you know, I don't think it benefits his game. And then you've got Enzo Fernandez kind of playing this advanced role, which is what we wanted. We wanted him not just to be a defensive midfielder. That's why we bought, bought Moises Casado over the summer. But at the same time, I think there is there is a point where Enzo is playing almost too far up the pitch where you know maybe those those kind of killer passes that you'd want him to play are probably he's when he's too far forward he isn't able to because maybe he's expected to finish chances when you want him creating them um and Connor Gallagher too also playing this kind of retracted role again I, I'm more of a fan of Connor playing closer to the goal so maybe there's a bit of that that I'd like to see them swapped a little bit more than, than Enzo playing so far up the pitch. So I also think there is a a sad reality of Thiago Silva here and being hit on transition. It's something, you know, that has been in conversation in recent years, right? That you have to protect Thiago Silva, who has been a wonderful player for Chelsea and still provides moments of brilliance as one of the greatest centre-backs we've ever seen play football. But that I think there will come a point in this season, as many of us expect, maybe when Benoit Badia-Shul returns uh, from injury and Trevor Chalaba too, when Thiago may be phased out a little bit because if Poch is concerned that Chelsea are going to be hit on transition and that's why Chelsea maybe aren't playing as aggressively as they did during preseason, then I think you have to rectify that. Now you have bought Moises Casado. I think the excuse of we don't have a defensive midfielder doesn't really run anymore. And uh, I'd like to see Chelsea go back to what they were doing in preseason at least before, of course, Nkunku does return. That Chelsea podcast, brilliant Chelsea podcast. I'm sure I'll be guesting on it soon. I feel I know the answer, but I'll ask it anyway. Are we missing a senior attacker? Back in the day, we had a Willian Pedro to bring on. Now Sterling is the only senior attacker and he starts. So our only bench bench options are young, raw, under-21s with few goals between them. I do agree with this. Um, I felt it watching, actually, the AFC Wimbledon game. Uh, because we started a very, very young team then, even younger than what Chelsea's teams are now uh, after the massive overhaul during this summer, in the sense that just players who can guide younger ones through games. Um, you know, I felt absolutely it was the right time for Cesar Azpilicueta to move on, so I'm not sitting here and going now, we need Dave back. But Cesar Azpilicueta, Willian and Pedro, I think is, is probably a better example here in terms of offensively. And I do agree with you that kind of this policy of... Hear that? That's the sound of the 2023 Chevy Silverado's 2.7 liter high output turbo engine, delivering 430 pounds per foot of torque with no compromise durability. Impressive power, whether you're helping friends move or just moving some friends. Thanks! This is the sound of a family with plenty of rear seat room to enjoy the ride. And most importantly, this is the sound of you heading to your local Chevy dealer today for a test drive. Find your Silverado and find new roads. Chevrolet. They're only going to sign players, you know, under the age of 25. Overall, I don't think it's a ridiculous one if that's what you're aiming to build. Um, Because as we've seen in recent years, the pitfalls of buying older players and the short-termism that comes with that and then the problem you have if those players don't excel 
and trying to, you know, obviously sell them on. It's, it's difficult, right? But I think that there maybe could have been a little bit more leniency on that to add some maturity to this squad, or even just add a bit more of a rotational option who could be a, a competent, safe player um, to add that maturity. As I say, an Olivier Giroud type, right? I mean, I think that's kind of the best example you can give, especially in the forward line. I said it over the summer, you know, maybe an older striker, not your 90 million, 100 million striker, but someone who could have offered a bit more experience, someone that maybe Pochettino could lean on over the course of a season. And that could have also related to other places within the team as well. So I don't think that's a ridiculous uh, thing to be concerned by, especially in difficult moments, because even in that 1920 season, which maybe you can compare this to, there were still experienced players within that team. Willian, Pedro, Olivier Giroud, um, Marcus Alonso, Cesar Azpilicueta, that Frank Lampard leaned on during the course of that season other than just, of course, the excitement of Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, uh, Fikayo Tamori, Reese James, you know, all these players breaking through, they had players that they leaned on. And especially that season, I think that's the greatest example of experience coming through when Tammy Abraham got injured and maybe was struggling a little bit. Olivier Giroud was what Frank leaned on in the in the closing weeks of the season. Who is going to be that player now other than Raheem Sterling? And I think that is a relevant point. Dave asked, would you accept not being in the Champions League for plus two seasons if it meant we're title contenders after that? I feel like with, with what's happened to Arsenal, uh, maybe that's kind of some of this thinking of the, the question of, of where they've ended up now with Mikel Arteta, had some very lean years. Two seasons, the first two seasons of Mikel Arteta, I mean, you wouldn't have expected where they've ended up now. Um, yes, I, I think I would, but of course there is, there are going to be many people who don't agree with that. And there also is a financial reality, given what Chelsea have spent in comparison to Arsenal, that means that Chelsea kind of do need to get Champions League football. We do need to get that revenue and not having that revenue without a massive stadium is, is always going to be a detriment to Chelsea when competing with other big English clubs and clubs even like you know Spurs who have also upgraded their stadium and the match revenue that comes from that. So there is a financial FFP reality that comes with this, unfortunately. Uh, I, I think it'd be nice to feel that Chelsea could be a little bit more patient. I've been thinking this for years, but the harsh reality just in, in theory, nice. In execution, I don't think that's how it works. And you know, there is a reality that this club has been conditioned, our fans have been conditioned to expect instant success. Part of that is being in the Champions League. And although the Premier League has become a lot more competitive and that top six is now becoming a top seven with Newcastle and, you know, Brighton as well doing really well, um, I still think there will be expectation on us getting in the Champions League and, you know, um, kind of having that time to... It feels like at Chelsea there is no time to breathe. There's no time to kind of sit back and kind of work in the background as one of the big clubs. And also, when you're a club that has spent as much as Chelsea have, has and, um, you know, you, you, you are going to have the spotlight on you constantly and there's kind of no way to get around that, unfortunately. Liam asks, how will the 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3 benefit us and which players will benefit benefit the most from these formations if we choose I feel like with uh, a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 I mean I I sometimes worry that we obsess too much about formations um just in the sense of the way the game's gone how fluid it is now and you know you can it, you know it's about individuals right and it's about chemistry and it's about player decision making and you know Chelsea could have started with a 4-2-3-1 a 4-2-2 on Saturday and still had the same problems because maybe in certain areas your profiles weren't that good or in other areas we just you know the decision making in the final third wasn't good enough so 
I try not nowadays, just the more I've learned about football is is to try not to obsess that this is the golden formation because unfortunately, it's not that simple. I do think that just overall and with Pochettino, what he likes to do and also just looking at what he did over preseason, he did favour a back four. I think part of what will benefit us is when you have more dynamic defenders. I think if you've got a Reese James, Malo Gusto, uh, Levi Colwell, Trevor Chalabar, Benoit Badiashil, uh, Ben Chilwell, obviously Ian Matson, you've got a lot of speed there in that back four, which I think hopefully will give the license. And especially now with Moises Casado, who can cover so much ground, I really like that in the sense that it's, I think it's going to give more license. And also, I, I think with having an extra attacker on the pitch, it not only makes you. Um, more adventurous I think it maybe makes us a more exciting team I think it allows maybe those players to form connections a lot more in that attack than they have in recent years when it has felt like Chelsea have been not allowing a, a wide margin of error in the final third you know you'd like to feel that because we've I think Liam Toomey wrote this piece today in terms of Chelsea have spent a lot but it's now about building a football team and part of that chemistry is is having players play together consistently and um, I, I think whatever combination that is for Pochettino after the international break I think it's important that you have those attackers starting to to play alongside each other find out what movements they make Nicholas Jackson as a focal point is obviously going to be instrumental to that those players around him I think Raheem Sterling and others have have formed good um, relationships and are forming good relationships with Nicholas Jackson I, I don't think that you know Sterling and, and Jackson I think look look like a strong partnership because they're creating chances but I think on the wider perspective, I think that's what it will help. And, and I just think the squad looks like it should go in that direction rather than a free-back system um, that maybe once again makes Chelsea a little bit blunt in the final third. And especially if you're a little bit lopsided, I think it just makes more sense to play more attackers personally. But that is it for today's questions. Thank you guys so much for taking the time uh, to watch it. Thank you for listening as well on the podcast. Thank you for submitting your questions. I'm going to be doing this regularly. Hopefully, we're not sat here every single week being depressed about Chelsea, uh, but hopefully you enjoy the content anyway. You can follow me on Twitter at Son of Chelsea, and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.